I know you're gonna dig this. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. Jones Barbecue Foot Massage. You better come down here, get some of this shit. You like to eat? America loves to eat. So why not open up somewhere in America to sit down, enjoy a meal, and get your feet rubbed? We'll fry anything you want for $5.99. As long as it's friable or edible, we're gonna make it deliciousable. We will fry parts of the chicken you didn't even know were friable. The beak, the feathers, we'll fry candy bars. <laughs> You are the one that's gone around the world making everything based on color. You were the one who went into Australia. You were the one who went into South Africa. You were the one who went into Asia and classified people and things based on color. That's why you call one of us Octoroon, another one Quadroon, another one Afcast, another one Mulatto. I mean, these are classifications from you, not from us. We never saw people based on their color. We saw people as human beings. What happens when you try to create a new system that aims to uplift a group of people, or better yet, put them on an even playing field to those who have accumulated their wealth through the use of imperialism? Many have tried to take on the powers that be and have failed. On this episode of Foreign Concept, we focus on the rise and fall of Colonel Gaddafi, the last standing obstacle to a one-world government. Foreign Concept, the unapologetically black podcast. Podcast, 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 podcast. In 1942, in the deserts of Libya, a woman gives birth to a boy. This boy would go on to become one of America's greatest threats for numerous reasons. As a child, Gaddafi was often described as a boy beyond his years, a cunning yet tactical thinker. He had an ordinary upbringing until it was time to further his education. Strangely, as a result of being from a rural part of Libya, it was almost impossible for him to obtain a degree unless he served in the military. Luckily for him, this turned out to be a blessing in disguise. His journey to power began when he enrolled. Whilst there, he demonstrated exceptional leadership qualities which enabled him to quickly move up the ranks and gain favour amongst his peers. As the years went by, Gaddafi became more and more powerful. He had a message as well as military support. In 1966, he graduated at the age of 24, a remarkable achievement at the time. For the next few years, Gaddafi, like many students today, struggled as a result of capitalism. Capitalism is the economic system we have now. We go to work for some major corporation, spend the majority of our day working, and take home just enough to feed ourselves. Ultimately, Gaddafi felt oppressed. Oppression is a product of capitalism. It is a product of a system that relies on repressing the vast majority of people's dreams and desires by forcing them to accommodate the need of capital. Gaddafi decided that he wanted to remove capitalism from Libya. In order to do this, he had to do the impossible. Dethrone 
the king. Gaddafi formed a revolutionary military group, which of course was considered treason. Battles were won and lost, but against all odds, Gaddafi and his men managed to defeat King Idris I. The battle was described as a bloodshed massacre by Western journalists. Once the revolutionary forces took control of the capital city, Gaddafi declared himself colonel instead of king. He told the Libyan people that he wanted to create a new world order, a communist world. Communists believe in economic equality, in a world where, where everyone in a society gets equal shares of the benefits derived from labor. Communists believe in wealth distribution and a classless society. Gaddafi felt that the country should be governed by the people instead of an individual. Podcast. So in the space of three years, Gaddafi went from being an ordinary military graduate to the leader of the country. At the tender age of 27. Once Gaddafi took control of Libya, he closed down the American and British bases in Libya. He also expelled the few remaining Jews that remained in Libya after the 1967 war, and up to 20,000 Italians. Once in power, Gaddafi denounced capitalism. Furthermore, Gaddafi implemented various bills which enabled the average Libyan to thrive. For example, he passed an electric bill which meant electricity was free for the people of Libya. He changed the bank ownership. The banks were now owned by the state. This meant people could borrow from banks without worrying about paying interest. Under Gaddafi's reign, it was considered a human right to have a home. Education as well as healthcare were free. The overall stats show that the quality of life increased when Gaddafi took over. Whilst Gaddafi was winning the hearts of the people, he was also creating very dangerous enemies. Uh. Libya's new communist way of life was a threat to the West, and they knew it. Western governments were never keen on the communist way of life. They felt it was a threat to their way of governing. Many scholars and historians have stated that Gaddafi's fall started when he tried to help Minister Farrakhan fight against social injustice in the United States. Three, he loaned Mr. Mohammed, Minister Farrakhan's mentor, $3 million to purchase what was then a Greek Orthodox church on Chicago's south side. Offering money to the nation of Islam, as well as keeping the West out of Libya, was something the United States government were not happy with. They decided that Gaddafi had to be dealt with by any means necessary. They didn't care how long it took, as long as the mission was completed. Gaddafi became the marked man. Anything that happened in the world in terms of terrorist activities was blamed on Gaddafi. He became public enemy number one. But luckily for him, because of his rule 
of banning the West and their policy from entering Libya, he kind of had a defensive shield protecting him. So for years, he stood strong. However, public opinions were about to change all of this. Foreign leaders allegedly used propaganda to create numerous stories in order to implicate Gaddafi. They felt by doing this, it would force him out of his protective shield. In-house rumours started to spread that Gaddafi was sending spies to England to kill those who had migrated out of the country. Gaddafi denied these allegations. He was later accused of being responsible for the Lockerbie disaster. The mid-air bombing of Pan Am Flight 103, which killed 270 people more than two decades ago, was personally ordered by Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi. That's according to this man, former Justice Minister. As this disaster took place in the United Kingdom, it received a lot of media coverage, which obviously prompted Gaddafi's own people to start questioning whether he did it or not. The Western media started to create a narrative that the Libyan people wanted Gaddafi out of power. Despite a growing popular uprising and international calls for him to go, Libya's leader, Muammar Gaddafi, has denied he's increasingly besieged in his own capital, Tripoli. Talking to Western journalists for the first time since the unrest began, he gave this response to the question, will he leave Libya? <laughs> there was rumours that chaos started to spread around Libya, but it is said that Gaddafi dealt with the matter instantly. On the 5th of April 1986, three people were killed and 229 were injured in a bombing that took place in West Germany. Libya was instantly accused by the US government of sponsoring the bombing. The president at the time was Ronald Reagan. He ordered a retaliation strike without knowing whether Libya were actually the ones responsible for the bombings or not. At least 30 soldiers and 15 civilians were killed by the United States. In spite of reports blaming Libya for the attack on the nightclub, no individual was officially accused of the bombing. Whilst all of this commotion was taking place, the United Nations intervened. They decided to sanction Libya and not the United States. That's right. The country that got bombed got sanctioned instead of the country doing the bombing. Whilst the discussions of who was responsible for the bombings in Germany was taking place, the United States was still raining missiles down on Libya. The only way the bombings were going to stop was if Gaddafi agreed to the following terms. Let the West back into Libya and prove that you have no weapons of mass destructions. Due to public pressure and economic fines, Gaddafi had no choice but to agree to those terms. As a result, the West and their policies were reintroduced into Libya. Gaddafi had to get rid of all these weapons, which consequently left him defenseless. As the years went by, Libya started to fall into the trap of capitalism once again. What Gaddafi did next is arguably the main reason as to why the West thought, yep, enough is enough, it's time for you to go. 
He called on African and Muslim nations to join together to create this new currency that would rival the dollar and euro. They would sell oil and other resources around the world only for gold dinars. It's an idea that would shift the economic balance of the world. Countries' wealth would depend on how much gold they have, not how many dollars they trade. The gold dinar was seen as the biggest possible threat to the West. Think about it. For capitalism to work, somebody has to be at the bottom. The way the world is structured today, it's African countries. However, the gold dinar was going to change all of this. African countries were going to go from being third world countries to leading nations due to the simple fact that they could back their currency with the continent's natural resources. Many argue that Western countries were not willing to let the gold dinar be successful due to the implications it would have on social standings. The idea of the gold dinar scared the heck out of these leaders. To them, they had no choice but to get rid of Gaddafi. What followed was pretty straightforward. It is alleged that chaos was created in order to conquer and divide Libya. Out of nowhere, there was an uprising against Gaddafi. His own people started to accuse him of being a terrorist, a murderer, every name under the sun. As a result, a rebel group started to attack the capital, killing the so-called Gaddafi supporters. Once Gaddafi retaliated, it was over. NATO, which is an organisation similar to the United Nations, got involved. They provided the rebels with the weapons and intelligence on where Gaddafi was located. They even started to bomb various parts of Libya to smoke him out. This morning, French warplanes and an American Predator drone attacked a giant convoy of more than 100 four-wheel drive vehicles fleeing west out of Gaddafi's hometown of Sirte. The convoy tried to evade the aircraft by splitting into smaller parts, but at least 15 of them were hit and their occupants killed. The vehicle, which turned out to be carrying Gaddafi, was damaged but not destroyed. He and his bodyguards abandoned the vehicle and took cover in drainage pipes running under the highway. Gaddafi was captured by his own people. And somebody shot him by gun 9 million. It is believed that his last words were, What did I do to you? Eight years since Gaddafi was killed, and Libya now is in a worse state than it was when he was alive. The people that killed him are now crying and wishing he was still alive. The grass is not always greener on the other side. Foreign Concept, the unapologetically black podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. We operate on the axiom that uh, that uh, in order to uh, to say what I want to say, I can't do what I want to do. To do what I want to do, I can't say what I want to say. Therefore, observe our actions and you'll know what I want to say.